Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode 35 of The Overlay, a poker podcast brought to you exclusively today. And I say exclusively, Brandon. It's exclusive today. Okay. This is the I'm Paramount intrigued. This is the Paramount Social episode. I like it. We want to go over uh, one of our best sponsors, top sponsor of the podcast currently, because CCG Poker is on quarantine, so we're not allowed to do anything <laughs> here. But be that as it may, I've been wanting to do like a Texas-specific um, episode, and the stack tournament is something that is, I'll, I'll give you credit where credit's due. It's the Brandon Brainchild from Chicago. Um, the stack term is something we did once a month that carried over to doing it down in Texas. It's a great tournament. It basically, in a nutshell, we call it the stack because it is legitimately a large stacked tournament, long blinds, super deep structure. And I use the term super deep structure. Deep stack does not even go into what the, you know, the realms of how deep this tournament is. I think the joke at Paramount is the stack tournament is so deep we had to add extra support to the poker table eggs to ensure that they did not fail due to the extra weight of chips on the table. It's funny because it's almost true. It's a hundred percent true. So much, so many, so many chips. So the stack is a once a month tournament that happens in at Paramount uh, on the first Saturday of every month. It's got a seventy five hundred dollar guaranteed prize pool on it. $120 buy-in. Um, there is a $10 add-on and a on-time bonus. So if you do the $10 add-on and do the on-time bonus, you start with 40K in chips for your buy-in. $10 add-on at the start of the tournament will get you another 10K. And if you register before the 2 o'clock start time, because it starts at 2 o'clock first Saturday of every month, um, you get another 10K bonus for a 60,000 max start stack. That's I can't even count that high. Uh, twenty minute levels, uh, and I was just looking at the levels. The levels start one hundred, one hundred. Uh, the big blind Annie doesn't start until the fourth level. Um, it's a legit big stack tournament. Typically, they get like eight tables. You know. How many levels of late registration? Ten. Eight. Eight levels of late registration. Okay. So, um, the eighth level is five hundred, one thousand. Um, with obviously a 1,000 big blind ante. Somebody asked me, they're like, oh, I dig big blind antes. What's the ante structure like? And I was like, it's the big blind? The every, big blind? Every time? That's that's where we're at? He was like, oh, yeah, cool, cool. That sounds awesome. Like, could it be anything else there? You know, it's sometimes the easy, it's Hockham's razor, right? Like the, the most simplest answer is typically the correct one. And if you're confused about big blind any structure, it, it just means it's the big blind. Whatever the big blind is, you're basically posting two big blinds. One goes in the middle, one's your big blind. It's great. Super easy. I love big blind structure. Oh, it's, it's the greatest thing ever invented. Whoever invented that, I don't know if it's Alan Kessler or Chainsaw guy or Whoever it is, but that guy's a genius. It's awesome. I mean, I so think so much better for the dealers, so much better for the players. It's better for everybody. Hands. I mean, it's just the best thing ever. I concur, Brandon. Did we talk about? Do we have an episode about us going through the big blind antes or no? We should if we have. I don't think we've done a big blind anti structure specific like for because I feel like we we fought about whether or not the. Uh, the big, the ante should come first and the blind should come first. But I don't have enough. Yeah, we're kind of sidetracked here a little bit, but that is yeah. something that's important because, you know, the first half of this episode um, we're going to talk about is the idea of the stack structured and, and how good it is and how player friendly it is. And um, the WSOP does something different than the other ones, but I think a lot of players are going back and forth. And I don't remember which one's which, but there are some cases where the big blind is posted first and then the ante 
And where this comes into play is, is if you only have, let's say, you know, 8,000 in chips left and you're playing, uh, let me see if I can get this straight. 5, 10, 10. Sure. Let's say you're playing 5, 10, 10. You only have 10,000 in chips left. Where does that 10,000 go? Does the 10,000 go as your ante or does the 10,000 go as your big blind? Because you only have 10,000 in chips left and you're the big blind. You're supposed to be posting 20,000. So where does your 10,000 go? Um, the stack tournament in Houston and, and also Chicago um, for all tournaments is that you pay your ante first and then the big blind. And I agree. I don't know how it could be the other way. Just to wrap, I mean, just to knock it two sides right here, but like it's your turn to pay the ante for the table. Correct. You don't get to get out of it. That's because the you idea. Don't have chips. Right. That's you the idea just, right. of the big blind ante is that instead of each player posting a percentage of the ante, every single hand, which takes time, the player has to, or the, the dealer has to scoop everything up. They got to make change. They got to do all this stuff for it. It's just a simpler version to just say, okay, instead of paying one tenth the, the ante, you're going to pay a full 10 antes once around. That way each and every player plays one time rather than, Everybody doing it. And then you never get that thing where you it, it never fails that any tournament I ever played in, I don't care where it was, WSOP at Hammond, um, which is like the highest level of tournaments I've ever played in as a WSOP event, um, it never fails. You always get one time where it's like, we're short an ante, and everybody's arguing about who didn't put the ante in, right? Right. And then there's change, and then there's scooping it up, and then there's... It's just a mess. You get more hands in an hour. Literally, there are no negatives to playing the big blind ante structure short of when you get a short stack that cannot cover both. That's where the the problem comes in. And, and we've always played the ante goes first because normally in a, in a tournament, you would pay your ante first. Like if you only had a thousand chips left. You'd and ante and you know, whatever's left over is what you can double what up. your big blind is. So right. it's the you same exact same. It's the same scenario. I don't know why it would change. It does seem a bit unfair because if you're in that scenario and you only have 10,000 chips left and you're playing 510 and you have to put your 10,000 ante in, you're really playing against everybody else at the table. And the only thing you can win in that hand is the 10,000 ante because that's all you qualify for. You don't get right. anything but, else. So it's like a free But you free need to roll. understand that and not get yeah, As long as you know that, that going in, it's fine. Okay, so back to the stack. It is a super yes. deep structure. So as the Paramount Social tip of the day is what we're going to call this episode, or just okay. that's what we're going to call this section of the episode. We want to go. We want to get some maybe what top three tips. Yeah, three three little quick little three tips to play a deep stack tournament. We're not talking like a regular deep stack tournament. We're talking like a six hundred big blind start because that's what you start with, right? My math correct there. Uh, the blinds start yeah. 100, 100, and you yep. got 60 game chips. You got 600 big blinds, which is an that's an enormous amount of big blinds for a cash game, let alone a tournament. tournament. It's insane. So, Brandon, give us your first tip. Tip number one, I think, is you're going to have to adjust your sizings and just make everything bigger, especially early when you have this many big blinds, because without going in down too many rabbit holes or getting too complex, you don't really want to price people in at this point because everybody has so many big blinds that right. It's the scary really, part. It is. You, and you don't really want to get invite them to only have to put in two more big blinds to potentially win all 598 of your other big blinds. Correct. If you and, start with 600 big blinds and where it gets weird is like, let's say you get aces in like the first level. It's like, how do you, how do you bet that out starting? Cause like, there's no like, 
let's just say it's like there's no history because you just started playing the tournament with these people at your table. So like, you know, you're on hand number six and you've got aces and you're in late position. Like how much are you raising to start? I mean, in normal, you'd just be like, oh, you're going to do three or four times a big blind. That's what it's going to be. Some people open up for a little bit larger, but it's weird because you have so many chips and so many people are likely at that point where it's like, ah, it's only 500, which is five times the big blind to open, which is, you know, I would say fairly normal, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's getting towards the bigger area. I okay. mean, you know, when you get later in the tournaments, fast forwarding to the end, when you got twenty big blinds, I mean, you know, they're making it two point two, two point five. Like Correct. a big raise late in the tournament is three X. But if like, you open, yeah, if you open early, yeah, for three hundred, uh, you're going to get like six colors, right? And then you don't really want to go six ways to the flop with aces when you have six hundred big blinds. Correct. Like when you have. 30 big blinds or 40 big blinds, like fist pump. Everybody get in here. I can, you can comfortably jam with one pair on basically any flop and be like, all right, this couldn't have been a bad play. But when it comes king eight deuce and you're against six people and you have aces and now all of a sudden 30, 60, 140 big blinds are going into the middle, like all of a sudden you're like, man, I only have aces. Right. And it's where you kind of like, you kind of over, you kind of, I don't, you don't psych yourself up, but you like, you overexploit yourself by getting yourself into these situations where you're only going to get like crushed. And you're like, oh, it's a bad beat. Like they had pocket deuces and called my 7X, flopped deuce. And then we got 500 more big blinds in. Well, no, that's it's not a bad beat. That's you playing bad. Like, correct. You got in aces. I'm king a deuce. I understand that. Like, you're going to say there's nothing you can do, but clearly there's something you can do. And, like, these are the spots you want to avoid. Like, kind of segueing into my second tip is. One pair, literally on my sheet, it says one pair hands increase in value the shorter the stack, and they decrease the bigger the stack. So exactly what we're talking about. That is such a Your simple, is, is simple thing to aces. say. That is so it's so true. Like so many people do it because it never fails. That's what I wanted to say. From kind of it covers both both tips here is that so many people get knocked out in like the first or second level of a six hundred big blind tournament. It's like how did you go broke? Like what did you have? Like you should really only be going broke, like set over sets, flushes right. over flushes, straights over straights. I don't maybe even see like a flush a over flush, right? Right, like you're you're calling on the river with jack high flushes, right? Like you know what I mean, like or you're that raising on the river with a jack high flush, and then the ace high flush is re raising you, and then you're flatting, and you still only lost seventy, eighty, maybe a hundred big blinds if you lost a huge pot, which is obviously sucks, but that's ten k. Like you still have fifty k left. It's it's kind of the that's re- just the early bonus. Yeah, it's kind of like the our favorite one of my favorite lines that you told me is that Maria Ho said you you build a big chip stack so you can get involved in big pots and still be in the tournaments when you lose. Like you can lose a big pot and still be in the tournament. That's what having a that's the advantage of having a big stack. And literally every single person who starts a stack tournament like this. You're starting in that scenario. You have a huge chip stack. You can lose a big pot and still be in the tournament. So it's like, don't get greedy if you've got the second nuts or, you know what I mean? Like, the only way you should get knocked out of this tournament, and even then, I find it hard to believe if you're playing 100-100, even if you flop aces full of deuces and the guy's got quad deuces, like, you could, you should be able to, I don't know, could you get away from that hand? Maybe not. Maybe that's a bad scenario to put it down. I mean, we're, we're, we're in PLO mode. We are. In hold them, you ain't folding that. But I mean, you know, if you have ace deuce on ace deuce deuce, like that's a scenario where like you're not stacking off, like getting it all in, like just get cooler. Like, like you're not going to get any more from them in these massive spots unless they have you cooler. 
So like if they have if you run good and they have King Deuce and it's Ace Deuce Deuce four seven, like you know you're not going to get much more. You popping on the river, they're they're going to fold or fly. It's just like you don't need to risk all those chips for all for that little bit of a reward. And again, you're only getting called in that scenario if you're beat. Exactly. I I hate making a bet where the only time I'm going to get called is when I'm when I lose. That's basically like you're bluffing then. Correct. <laughs> it's the same. And you don't want to be bluffing when you have full houses. No, it seems bad. All right. So tip number one was what? Uh, sizings. Make your sizings bigger. You really kind of want to narrow it down to three. Three. I mean, you'd love to get a heads up with these hands you're raising, but that's just not realistic mm-hmm. early in these tournaments. Nope. Three ways, four ways. You, you want to avoid the six, seven way family ordeals where you're just clueless and everybody's range is 100%. All over the place. And, and you're just you're just navigating. You're just waiting to lose a big pot. Number two, so, d- don't overvalue your single pairs or your big pairs. Yeah. Like also, it. and then um, you you mentioned that people, oh, these guys get knocked out first, second level of these tournaments. How do they do it? You need to realize that like just because somebody tripled up and now has 180k, like you're still just as deep stacked as you were 20 minutes ago. Correct. Like you, your deep stack is relative to the blinds, not relative to other people's stacks. Like if if you have sixty thousand at one hundred one hundred and everybody else has six million, like you're still deep stacked. Correct. Like you're just there's not, still a ton of play left in the tournament. Right. You need to be making your decisions based on the blinds, not based on other people's chips. I have stacks. I have trouble doing that. I think I fall right. into the I look at other people's stacks because I'm always much more comfortable. Especially online poker. You look, it's like, oh my gosh, this guy's got two million in chips. Mm-hmm. I got four hundred thousand. You don't realize that four hundred thousand is one hundred eighty big blinds. You couldn't be more fine. You're right. just like, man, this guy's got two million. That's a bad way to look at it. All right, tip number three. Um, so you want to be able to identify your f- more fun players, and when you are splashing around, you want to be splashing around with them. Okay. Basically, you want to be playing pots against the fish, and so like if you're going to play eight six suited. Like, make sure you're playing it against the fish and not against the other pro. Like, you make sure. I like that you insinuated we're we're I'm I'm on the pro level. I'm in the fun guy level, but that's okay. Go ahead. Well, that's right. People are going to be wanting to play pots against you, right? But you, you're going to want to kind of play the fish's game early in the in the tournament. You're, if they're going to splash around, splash around with them, but like, do it more structured. They're like, do it on your own terms. Play the fish's game on your own terms. I guess is kind of like a broad strategy where if they're going to be playing every hand, don't play every hand with them, but play a considerably more amount of hands than you would, but just pick the right hands and in the right positions and with the right other people in the pots. Basically, you got to open up up your ranges early in the tournament against the fun players or the more recreational players, because you're going to earn more chips that way. Cause ultimately that's, I mean, I know it's silly to say, but that's what you want to do. You want to accumulate chips. And I I find that so many people don't, switch up their play at all in deep stack tournaments, super deep stacks tournaments, because they're just kind of stuck in that mindset of where they're at like 20 to 30 big blinds and they're playing the 20 to 30 big blind game when in reality you've got much more chips than that. So you can open up a little bit. Um, it's why I always have trouble. I'm a much better short stack player. It's probably why I've never done well in deep stack tournaments because I don't switch up my play to account for all of the chips I have in front of me. That's why I never can keep a lead in the tournament. I'm always, I just, I'm a more comfortable player playing like the 
not all in a fold, but it's like, you know, I'm betting a third of my chip stack. And then when the flop hits, I'm deciding, am I going to get the rest of it in or am I going to back back out of this and, and kind of wait for another level where I'm even more in the short stack range? You know, I have trouble playing a big stack. And I think that's I think a lot of players have that problem. Well, it's because you can get so exploited and it's because you get so confused when you're in these massive pots with aces that are normally in really good hands. It's it's that the good players are going to assign ranges to you and be able to push you off all those one pair hands. And then you're going to have to make big decisions against these wild card fishes on whether or not they actually have it or not. And it's really tough. You get yourself kind of you level yourself with all with these big chip stacks. But one of um, you know, Ben Keyline, he won the Colossus. He always said to me, he's like, I start every tournament on time because it's the most the fish are gonna have the most chips at the beginning of the tournament than they ever Ooh. have. And if you think about it, like, you know, you know, obviously some bad players advance and make it deep sometimes, sure. like of course. But like in general, if you had a population of let's just say in this 80-person stack in Texas, that 20 of them are bad players, right? Let's just let's say a fourth of the field okay. is bad. Yeah. Uh, just a, you know, easy math. General 20, generalization. Right, just generalization. 20 of them are bad. 10 or 12 or 15 of them are never going to have more than a starting stack. Like, they're going to bust without ever accumulating chips. So if you don't play those early levels, you don't get those access to those guys' chips, where now... You fast forward six hours into the tournament, there's five of those bad guys left. And yes, they have massive stacks or they're still in the tournament, but all the pros and other people have those other 15 guys stacks that are now driving home or playing cash or rebuying. So if you don't, if you don't start the tournament and you don't play with these guys at the beginning, it's going to be half of them's most chips they ever have. Well, and again, it's, it's just a general idea of the later in the tournament you get, the harder it is to win chips because everybody in the tournament should, I mean, the, the better players are always going to rise to the top um, just in general, right? I mean, you're going right. to get more in, better in players general, than bad anything, players. With, yeah. You're going to have the most amount of bad players at the start of the tournament, which is why I always like in Texas where they do the on-time bonus. It's something we've never done in Chicago or not very often. Um, it just doesn't seem to work as well, um, and it's kind of a very regular thing for Texas. The on-time well, we bonus do seems do to happen all the time. The stack, though. We do, and it's great because that's you, about it. you start with big, big you know, big players. But I think that's a huge point that players don't always do is that, again, you have the most chance to win the easiest way to win chips in a tournament is early because you got a chance to win it from the bad players. Otherwise, if you show up on the third or fourth level, which is typically what Brandon and I always do, we always show up late to a tournament, and you don't get a chance to win it from the fish. A lot of the fish are already gone. Right, and you say, oh, you can't win a tournament early in the levels, but you can only lose it. That's true, but like when you show up three hours in and the two pros at your table have now doubled up off the fish and the pros have 120K and the fish are gone, and now you're taking the fish's seat, like, how is that beneficial for you? Like, it's not. Like, and obviously, table draw is something completely different. And to me, it's one of the biggest variance things in all of poker is table draw. Like, you, if you, you can draw the best table ever or the worst table ever, and you have no control over it. It's just complete luck. But that's besides, that's not a different rebel. You know, there's give yourself the opportunity to cooler the fish or get the fish to spew off with aces when you flop a set of deuces or get the fish to put in a four high flush when the board pairs and you obviously have it, you know what I mean? Like when they're piling in chips on the river and they have a flush and it's clear that like a flush is no good. Like these kind of opportunities really only happen early on early in the, in the tournament when they have so many big blinds. Cause even a fish is, uh, this isn't like a knock at you, but like even a fish is decent with 20 bigs. Right. 
You know what they I mean? Like they, 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 even a fish knows what to do when it folds them on the button and they got 18 bigs and they look down at ace deuce. Like it's just, it's simpler. It's easier. It's more math, math based. It's more solved. There's charts for it. Like, correct. You're not really playing the player. You're playing your chip stack and the blind structure. Uh, yeah, That's where I'm right. comfortable. I'm comfortable knowing what I should do. I'm uncomfortable when I've got a ton of chips and I got to figure out, well, what, what kind of play am I going to make here? It's a different right. game. And I feel it really like is. you, you can really get, is. you know, better players and even medium players have the best advantage of earning chips easier early in a tournament, especially a super deep stack tournament, because again, they're not comfortable playing with this big a chip stack. And there's so many chips in play that you can accumulate chips early, which kind of brings us to our second point. And it's like another tip that I wanted to talk about. Um, the stack tournament in Houston is a limited re-entry tournament. So it's kind of a hybrid between a freeze out and a re-entry tournament because re-entry tournaments that whole idea of getting there early definitely is in play, but there's so many re-entries happening and people getting up and back in and going around from the table. Whereas if you've got a limited re-entry tournament, um, you can play a little bit different on that first buy-in if you're comfortable with getting in for two bullets, right? Absolutely. And I like the idea of trying some different things. It's why people always bash the $20 early bird. And it's something that's I think is a staple in Texas, also in Chicago. But you know, the $20 early bird is a great place to splash around and try different things because it's a $20 entry. Like if you lose, it costs you 20 bucks to get back in. And it's a nice winner. I mean, you're not gonna win 50 grand on a $20 entry, but you're gonna win a nice, you know, I mean, first place prize in I think the early birds down there. I mean, it's close to like a thousand bucks. Yeah, I mean that's, that's crazy. Great. That's that's great for a twenty dollars buy-in. I mean, what else are you expecting? And it's awesome for tournament players to have the opportunity to play some different things, which I think then you can carry over into the stack tournaments, which are bigger buy-ins. I mean, I think the prize pool down there gets to be in the, like the ten to twelve thousand dollar range, which is amazing. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's a hundred twenty dollars buy-in. It's a lot to go. Uh, well, give us a little wrap up. We wanted to make this a short and sweet episode of super deep stack play and the things that you can do to help yourself. Early on in the tournament, I think that's kind of the overall theme here is that, you know, early in the tournament, you can do well because you've got so many chips, you can do some different things and you have to adjust your play accordingly. And most people don't do that. I agree. I mean, I I think the biggest, the biggest takeaway is that you want to basically, you want to price everybody out. And if they're going to make the calls anyways, you're winning regardless of what happens. And you want to especially be pricing the people out that are fish and they're more likely to not care that you're betting a thousand into a thousand and they're going to call with a flush draw, even though it's not the right odds because they have 59,000 chips behind. Those are all wins in your book. And if you play the stack every single first Saturday of the month, they aren't going to catch the flush, but 25% of the time. So, you know what I'm saying? And, and when they do, they bet and you flat and you, you dodge the big pot. So you're going to win a big pot from them or lose a small pot to them. Which overall is just going to net you a bunch of chips. That's, that's I mean, it's, a, it's that's pretty a, simple. That's a good, good bonus. And well, if you get cooler, rebuy. You got, you, you got, got one. You got that safety net underneath you, and then you can always adjust for once you're in that second bullet. Now you're yep. in a freeze out tournament. It's a Correct. little bit different, but you know it is what it is. Well, thank you for listening to episode 35, the bonus episode for the Paramount Social Club Stack Tournament once a month, the first Saturday of every month, 2 p.m. Get there early so you get your bonus chips. Um, 
Use some of these tips. Let us know how you guys do. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Big shout out to our Houston players. Um, I think we get a nice little following from Texas, which is kind of cool. I think it's awesome that um, it, sometimes it feels weird for for us to be in Chicago. We're so kind of focused on the Chicago market that there's this whole other crew of poker players down in Texas, which... Um, Texas and I poker love it that is they don't fun. Know who I am. It's, it's great. so much fun. Like, <laughs> it's great. You, wait until you get down there when this pandemic is over and you get to play the Texas poker rooms. Like, oh, it's nuts. Like, the games are so juicy and they're so fun. Like, I know that whole adage of like everything's bigger in Texas. Like, the games are so so good. They're so good. I love it. I'm a winning player in Texas. Don't tell anybody in Chicago about that. But <laughs> it's great. Yeah, they'll all move. They'll all move to Texas. They'll all move to Texas because it's a phenomenal. If, if you win, they all can win. It's a phenomenal poker scene down there. Well, as always, thank you for listening. Brandon, thank you for your tips. Please, um, please make sure you donate back to the Brandon Fund if you do win any using Brandon's tips. He will very much appreciate them. Um, other than that, thank you for listening. We will catch you next week. What are we going to do next week? Let's do like a pre- I don't know. Pre- Preemptive. Poker math, poker math. Yeah, we talked about poker math. Poker math is good. I we like might it. even we might even do a big blind a big blind episode specific. I think there's big a lot of good stuff. Well, I just think it's like the idea of like the evolution of poker. I feel like poker was kind of like everything was the same, and now there's been some advancements in poker that um you know, and poker math's one of them. Like the poker math, it, it's it's a better game now. People are much more into those things than they have ever been, and I think it's awesome. I lost I like you. It. No, I'm here. I just didn't know what to say. I, 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 I don't know. I got nothing. All right. Well, follow us on Facebook at the uh, Paramount Social Club. It's facebook.com slash Paramount Poker. We will see you next time, everybody. Thank you for listening. Brandon, send us out of this episode. Farewell, everyone. See you, everybody. Bye.